Let's take it to the edge. Let's get deflected. Let's talk about the night perspective. Let's get sharp. Let's get a little real. everybody kyle here i'm going to steal a little bit of dan's thunder right off the bat uh, and i'm gonna tell you blade show is canceled we recorded this before blade show announced that they were canceling august 7th to the 9th so if you were planning on being in atlanta that that time just won't be no blade show anyway here's dan Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly from KH Daily Knives. And this is the Knife Perspective, episode number 029, Laser Focused with Nate Patel. How you doing, Kyle? Doing pretty good. This uh, quarantine has uh, got me busier than ever, so lots of stuff going on at work, lots of stuff working in the shop, and I heat-treated 31 knives uh, yesterday in my new aluminum plate jig uh i was pretty happy with how that turned out i saw that i've i've got a little plate envy i'm not gonna lie yeah they're uh two and a quarter inches thick and have uh one inch uh fins on the back and putting the uh spray and misting or spraying and misting water into those fins help cool those down in between pulling knives out of the oven so it uh worked out really good i was pretty happy with it yeah, I, I, uh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to steal, steal those drawings and get a set machined out here. Yeah. Yeah. No problem, man. That not nothing, nothing complicated. How are, how are you doing? What have you been working on? I'm good. Um, I've gotten slammed, man. The mid techs have, have absolutely taken off. The kitchen knives in general have taken off. Um. I guess this is good as places any to do an official announcement. And then I've got to put it on my website and stuff like that. But I have gotten so slammed. I'm not taking custom orders anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. The I'm, I'm more than a year out on the books and I just, I, I can't keep up with it. So I've, I've got to quit taking custom orders, get the books cleared. Uh, I'm going to continue to make uh, some spec knives and, some of my dealers have got standing orders going a year out right now. So there'll be spec knives. Uh, my dealers are going to have a steady supply, but custom knives, um, I will order honor all the, all the orders that I've got in, but I can't, I, I just can't take anymore right now. I'm glad I got my custom order in right under the deadline. Wait, what? I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> uh. No, no, no. That's good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you you have so much uh so much demand for your knives. It's great, man. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. It uh you know, I, I've been building for about 10 years now and it, it's a place that I always hoped I would get to, but I never I didn't quite believe it. Um it's it, it's a good place to it, it's a real business now because you know, first it was a hobby and then it was a tax write-off. And then it was a, it was a little bit of a dice roll, man. Well, you know, yep. to go out there and commit and 
it feels great. There's also the pressure of, okay, now you've gotten there, you got to keep it up. But it it feels good to be gr- uh, a grown-up business. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, except for the grown-up part. I have worked for f- tirelessly for 46 years to avoid grown-up responsibility. <laughs> and here I am having done it to myself. Yeah. And then you got all the the ran or all the stuff going on with the everything else in the world. Yeah, twenty twenty has been a real roller coaster. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it's uh, it's been rough. Um, yeah, well, people probably already know, but um, on top of everything else, Dad passing a couple of weeks ago really kind of kind of took the wind out of me. It's never, never easy to lose a parent. No. Yeah. No. Um, I had some concept of how hard it had to be, but kind of like having a kid, you don't really get it till you're there. Mm -hmm. Um, which gives me so much more respect for people that have had, I mean, I'm, I'm 40 some odd years old. I I had a, a foundation to work off of it. It gives me a whole new respect for people that, that lose their parents early. Yeah. My mom has been gone almost five years, uh, be five years at the end of this month. And, uh, just not something I thought I'd ever have to deal with at uh, my age. So, uh, but still have my dad and my wife still has her mom. So, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll keep kicking around, uh, for quite a while. Uh, but let's uh let's get something happy. Yeah, uh, we got our special. I can't believe it. Here I am. I, I bring the show in on a nice high note. You got to start talking about dead parents. <laughs> yeah. So we got our sponsors: Cage Daily Knives and Dogwood Custom Knives. You can find all our knives at Old Town Cutlery, and you can find Dan's knives at Knife Center and the Knife House. Uh, so uh, as he mentioned, not taking custom in orders anymore. Make sure you check those. Uh, places out for my knives and Dan's knives. And it looks like you got a, got your first uh, shout out slash gear talk. Yeah. um, It is not specific to the knife industry, but it's just some really cool artwork and stickers. Uh, Pulse rifle romance. It's this great kind of gritty gamer, old school children of the nineties. He does artwork prints and stickers. Very cool. Definitely check him out, Instagram, Facebook. He does some really cool stuff. If you're into the Dresden Files, uh, I think I have finally harassed him to the point that he's going to do some Dresden Files graphics. Speaking of, um, July 14th, don't call, don't write, don't email, don't text. I will not be available because the uh, the next book in the Dresden Files comes out. You said July 14th? Uh, Yeah. I will I will not be doing any of that because I will be pulling my hair out trying to make sure knives are ready. Yeah, um, I've ex- I, I have just accepted that I will not. Man, I'm going to be lucky if I've got 15, 20 knives blade with everything going on um, and the amount of, of blades going out of the shop. I'm really I've kind of gotten to this point where I'm doing the numbers of what can I please just cover my booth cost? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've got some very long nights ahead of me, but I'm still taking the 14th off because um, Peace Talks in the Dresden, Dresden series comes out. 
Are you going to be able to get that done in one day? I have no idea how long the, the books are. Um, as that I am brutally dyslexic, if I actually had to read the book, no, no, I could not. But one of the things that I have come to love about uh, Jim Butcher is he releases the audio version at the same time he releases the hardback. Okay. And it used to be there'd be a year delay, like the hardback would come out and a year later the audio version would come out. Uh, but they're releasing them at the same time. Okay. Um, so at zero zero one in the morning, I will probably be fu- probably be firing up audio or uh, audible dot com. Mm. <laughs> that early, huh? Yeah, which actually helps my uh, my productivity because I'll put an audio book. Matter of fact, ninety percent of what I listen to nowadays is audio books. I'll put an audio book on my my headset in the shop. And I'll just go. Um, other than when I'm grinding bevels, when I'm grinding bevels, I can't, I can't pay attention to grinding the bevel and listen to the audio book. Yeah, and pay attention correctly. Um, so when I'm grinding, when I'm grinding bevels, it's music and it's certain music that's got a, a nice, nice smooth groove to it. So I just kind of flow. Um. But for stuff like sanding, that's so mindless. Uh, I'll put an audio book in and just sand for hours. Hmm. Gotcha. Anybody that has been in my shop, every single apprentice that has been through my shop, we start back at Dresden book one, and we go through the entire series. Uh, And back when I had four or five guys in the shop, it kind of got to be like when the new guy came in, everybody got excited. Like, all right, we get to start all over. <laughs> all righty. But last time I checked, I had I think two and a half years of audiobooks on my uh, on my Audible account. Like you'd listen to that ma- that many years worth, or uh, yes, like if I played back to back continuously, I had I think two or two and a half years worth of audio. That's uh, that's a lot of audio. Um, I spend a lot of time alone in the shop. <laughs> you could just say a lot of time alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen me. <laughs> That's all right. I, I've gotten completely distracted. So I should follow back around to an actual knife gear related shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dance has started uh, selling the, the liquid decarb coating and quartz and pints. I don't know how well it's going to work yet because I just bought some, but I was really excited to find it in something less than five gallons. Yep. So that is that the stuff for stainless blades? Yep. So like or or when it dries, it's kind of supposed to be kind of like orangey or whatever. Uh, it flakes off. Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it is rated up to twenty five hundred degrees. Wow. Um and. As those that attend Blade Show will find out, I am doing some unique shape uh, particle steel work now. Okay. And this has solved the how the heck am I going to foil wrap this really weird shape. Mm. Gotcha. Cool. Both a gear talk and a teaser. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing how that turns out. Well, as am I, actually. Yeah. So speaking of Blade real quick, we should probably, uh, to people that don't make it to the end, uh, Dan and I are both planning on being at Blade. So if you are at Blade, you should definitely come and uh, check us out. I'll have a table. My table number is 3BB. So 
pretty close to the front. Look for the super bright lights. Uh, I would imagine Nicholas, Nicholas's impregnated woods will be there. Uh, it, that's always a, a good place to stop. And then you can see me and then get some uh, abrasives from Phoenix abrasives. Who's usually on the other side of me. So, and then Dan will be at, uh, he's got, he's the, the fancy guy and has a booth. And at least on their website, it says 537. So make sure you uh, you check Dan out, too, and make a, let him know you listen to the podcast. You know, mostly it, it kind of came down to I was so annoying that all the table guys chipped in to buy me a booth just so I wouldn't be around them anymore. <laughs> all right. I'm, I need to I need to take up a collection then. <laughs> Kyle, I'm sure you figured out you are not nearly annoying enough. <laughs> So back to uh shout outs. It's not a uh, knife uh, related one again. Um, so I've got uh, Dr. Seuss uh, as my, as my next shout out. He has made my life much easier with the boys. If you haven't, haven't read any Dr. Seuss books in a while, uh, definitely check them out. Green eggs and ham. Uh, Netflix made a TV series based or loosely based with some of the stuff through the book and, that's been a lifesaver. If you have kids, check out the the Green Eggs and Ham uh, series on Netflix. It's all fun and games till they get to hop on pop. Oh yeah, yeah. They, my boys took that a little too literally. <laughs> gotcha. And then uh, I've got another one. Uh, I recently got a saw stop table saw. If you hadn't saw on Instagram. Uh, that saw has been great. I've cut up a bunch of stuff with it. I got the professional cabinet saw 175, uh, which is their one and three quarter horsepower model. Great saw. I got the, the 36 inch table, uh, with the industrial lift base. So it's been, uh, great to do a couple pumps of my foot and be able to wheel it route out in the middle of my shop. And, uh, it's been great. It's a great saw. And then my last shout out uh, is kind of a uh, a call out. Um, so in our Q and A episode, we gave a shout out to Maniacs and Martin Sight, which uh, we did say their actual name, but they had uh, got crazy that weekend and changed their their name to the Ant Spectrum. So uh, you guys never said that we gave you a shout out. You got on your guys's web or uh, podcast. You said. Uh, a well-known podcast, which I'm not apparently uh, more than just our wives are listening, Dan. Yeah, bless their hearts. They think we're well-known. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys didn't, didn't mention our name on your podcast. So shame on you guys. Yeah. We're like totally upset and everything. <laughs> so, Hey, do you think that'd be a blade show? Uh, I know a few people are, uh, Ben, uh, one of the guys, um, pretty sure he's going to be there. He's uh, sort of near you. I think he's in South Carolina, um, but I think he's still like two hours away. I told him to to message you sometime and go bug you, but uh, he's been working with uh, another guy. Uh, I can't remember his name at the moment, but they're making a ton of cleavers. Uh, I guess there is a, a steel mill out in uh, near them, and apparently they close their doors. And this particular batch of steel is uh, actually from the mill, so uh, it's kind of a medium carbon steel. So it's not not really going to be extremely good for edge retention and stuff. But it's actually made from steel, actually from the the facility. And I think it 
it's wood handles from the area too. Uh, and I think they're making like 500 of them or something. Dang. So, uh, he's been helping him out a bunch. Well, tell you what, if they're at blade show, it, I'll forgive them if they'll let me buy them a beer. <laughs> All righty. So I know Ben was already planning on buying me a beer. So maybe, uh, Maybe you might get the get a free beer. Yeah, maybe we do like a free white beer buying thing. <laughs> or just come to the big white cooler that's going to probably have a bunch of beer. Yeah. You got to be more specific. As, as I remember, actually, depending on how things go this year, there may not be so many white coolers. You might you might stand out a little more than this than the year previous. Yeah. Though the last year there wasn't wasn't hardly any coolers down there. I was one of the only only ones. But yeah, look for a big white uh, Yeti roll around cooler with a ton of uh, stickers on it. There's a Dogwood Custom Knives sticker. Uh, there's Knife Perspective stickers and Cage Daily Knives stickers and a bunch of other ones on there. So uh, if you guys have or a maker and want to get your your sticker on there, come by and hand me one. Um, so. Last year, luckily, Dan, I swiped two stickers from his table that he didn't see. And the first sticker that I put on my cooler was when there was already ice and stuff in there. Apparently, uh, there was a little bit of moisture on the outside. And uh, well, something we like to call condensation. Yeah, it's an issue. Yeah, it didn't it didn't stick very well. So uh, luckily, I had the backup sticker to to replace and get it get it in its position uh, after the after the show. So. The stickers won't be on there uh, during the show because it stays full of beer and ice for pretty much the entire show. But if you come back next year, you will see your sticker proudly represented on the official Knife Perspective beer cooler. Mm-hmm. So, all right. That's a big deal, by the way. All right. I think we stretched this out long enough. How about you introduce our guest for tonight? All right. Uh, Nate Patel, um, I guess we've been working together for about a year. And he's worked with a lot of the Georgia Guild guys and really saved my butt when I needed some last second engraving. He does laser engraving, as I guess we've already mentioned, but has really blown me away with the art, the artistry that he brings to it, the depth of detail that he can really give. So I guess I, I guess that's an introduction. How are you doing tonight, Nate? Hey, man, that's a hell of an introduction. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Looking forward to learning some more about the, the engraving process and learning a little bit about you, too. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm an open book, uh, kind of a loud mouth kind of guy, uh, total two way uh, guy to the core. Um, but, uh, you, you go both ways. It, well, yeah, I, I go both ways. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I, I um, I'm, uh, you know, there's a third way. say again, said, you know, there's a third way, right? Well, maybe you'll have to tell me about that. <laughs> Dan must be experienced <laughs> in the third way. <laughs> okay. I'm you a video. If you're okay with that, you can ask questions afterwards. Okay. We, we might have to do that just out of sheer curiosity. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, um, I, 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 uh, I, I love the artistry part. You know, I love, I love the custom part of. Oh, don't, don't get too deep into the answers. That's like, that's like for question number seven, you're, you're getting ahead. Yeah. Of yeah. Let's, let's start off. Nate, where, where'd you grow up? 
Um, so I was, uh, I was born in, uh, Timmins, Ontario. And, uh, but I grew up in Montreal. Wait, 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 wait. you're Canadian? Yeah. Don't hold that against me. Ah, uh, shit, dude. No, interview's over. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold that against me. I got an American flag hanging right next to me. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, right, all right. right next to a bottle um, of maple syrup. Uh, um yeah so i i was uh i was born in canada um i'm uh i'm a bit of a mutt my dad is uh from uh gujarat india and uh, my mother's french canadian uh so uh, i'm a bit of a mix and uh yeah i i uh i i grew up in montreal canada um till i was about uh, 14 and then um uh, we moved to Dahlonega, Georgia, um, and that was extreme culture shock. <laughs> extreme culture shock. I was used to a super diverse international city, uh, you know, uh, uh, and then and then I got dumped in the middle of the uh, of the country, uh, you know, uh, with nothing but farmland around me and uh, really a, a, a completely completely different way of life uh, a lot of brass music and old gold mine and that was pretty much it yeah yeah and you know delonica they're super proud about them gold mines so. hey first gold uh, in america <laughs> you know but yeah delonica became my stomping grounds and um it's uh where i learned to shoot uh where i got into firearms and um that's kind of where it kick-started my passion so i'm very thankful for that as well so just to go ahead and get it out of the way, as I'm sure you're aware, we have a Dan Kyle scale for how you met your wife. Yep. So how did you meet your wife and where would that fall on the Dan Kyle scale? Well, um, it, uh, my I, I, I get told by people sometimes uh, that I should write a, a book uh, or a script about how I met my wife. Um you know, I, I was very young when I got married for the first time, and uh, uh, it ended about six months later after the marriage. Uh, so uh, for a couple of years, I was a single guy uh, busting my butt, um, you know, traveling around the world, uh, working. And um, uh, I happened to uh, be on a project in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and um Anyway, uh, staying at the super nice hotel, and um, uh, when I checked in, you know, uh, one of the uh, concierge told me that there's a, a, a nightly concert in the piano lounge, and uh, they're going to be featuring a, a new band, uh, all Malaysian band. And so I'm super into music. I love music. I love live music. And I was like, well, shoot, I need to go check that out. Um, so I, I went down there, and... Um, I, uh, that's where I met my wife. She was one of the singers. Uh, she was the, the lead singer in the band. And, um, anyway, the first time I saw her, I told the bartender that was sitting in front of me, I'm, uh, that I was going to marry that girl. He started laughing. And, um, um, my wife is a pretty famous uh, singer in Malaysia, um, uh, at her time, um, uh, locally, you know, and, um, so uh, uh, he thought my chances were absolutely nothing. Anyway, so um, uh, she sings a 45-minute set, and then they take a 15-minute break. 
And uh, when they take a 15 minute break, they come down into the audience and introduce themselves to people sitting in the audience. So I was kind of sitting on the sidebar that faced the stage and she walked over, introduced herself. And of course, I was like, oh, my God, this is the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I have got to ask her out. So it took me a couple of weeks. Uh, but what I did was I went and got a Malaysian cell phone. And uh, I, I took this Malaysian cell phone and I, I, really nobody had that number. Um, but I got it so that she could text me. And uh, uh, the next time I saw her, I slipped her a note saying, hey, you know, I'd like to take you for coffee. Here's my Malaysian cell phone number. Text me. Well, every day for about three weeks, I'd come down. She still hadn't texted me. Uh, I'd come down to watch her every night because she was there for a whole month. And um, uh, anyway, I'd walk her is the key to romance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So finally, I, uh, I said, I told myself, like, what are you doing, Nate? Like, she obviously wants nothing to do with you, you know? So, so I decided um, that I wasn't going to go down one night. And I just stayed in my room. I ordered in. Uh, I went to bed early. And sure enough, that was the night that I received the first phone call from her. And uh, it was about 9.45, 45 minutes after she started her first set for the evening. And she's like, where are you? And as soon as she said that, man, I jumped up out of the bed and uh, got in the shower, showered up, put my freshest clothes on and uh, went down there. And um, we uh, we've been together ever since that night. Uh, so about about a month later, uh, we were married. And um, uh, a week after getting married, we found out we were pregnant. So. It all kind of happened really, really fast. <laughs> wow. yeah. And now we have three uh, beautiful boys. You know, we've moved back stateside. Yeah, at the time I was uh, working in aviation. And so it took me all around the world. Uh, but now that I have kids, you know, I wanted to do something different. And um, and I wanted to present no, 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 no. You're like three questions ahead, dude. Sorry, my bad. No, you, you, you got to go with the flow. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that, that's kind of how we met. Um, you know, it's a bit of a fairy tale story, but I'm super in love with her. She's the best mom, best wife I could ever ask for. Just incredible. I knew you were one of my people. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a little while. We haven't had a Dan in a while, but I knew I knew you would be my guy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so how are you able to balance all the, the family life and work life stuff? Uh, you know, my wife's a gangster. She, uh, she really, she tackles the kids hardcore. Um, she's got that down pat, you know, and um, so it really helps me kind of pursue what I want to do. And, uh, 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 you know, it's a team effort, obviously. Um, uh, but, you know, she's out here at the shop with me from time to time. Though she's not super into guns and, and uh, engraving like I am, uh, she's out here helping me, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, help, help me tidy up the shop because we all know we keep our shop clean, right, boys? Um, and uh, so anyway, it's, it, it, she helps me with stuff like that and, um, you know, invoicing and, and um, you know, the, the things that allow me to 
kind of keep being creative and, and doing the things that I like to do. Yeah, not being tied down with details like a clean shop certainly would help free the mind for uh, creative endeavors. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, you're not worrying about clutter and having to move stuff around when you're trying to be creative and get stuff done, right? You know, you you uh, need a good clean shop, and that, that's important. Yeah, totally. I do that. <laughs> so so what was your first what was your first knife nate did uh growing up in canada did what did you get it when you were still up there or was it when you moved down to georgia yeah you know honestly i was never really a knife guy um growing up in canada it's not um something that um was really a focus in my life um but when i came to georgia you know where we lived in delanaga it was you know, we're surrounded by the national forest. And um, so, but I honestly, I got into guns before knives. I only got into knives uh, when I realized that a complete everyday carry consists of a knife as well. So that was about five or six years ago that I'd got start started getting into knives. Uh, you know, I had a couple of cheapies. Um, you know, like a little Swiss army knife here and there, but, um, my first, I would say my first really badass knife, my first favorite knife was, uh, was the Gearcraft EDCM one. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that knife, but it's a very unique design. Um, and if you go to Gearcraft's website, you can see it, but it's kind of a dagger style design and the story behind it's really neat. The, the owner of Gearcraft, Billy Fry, was uh, was approached by one of the lead trainers over at the CIA. They needed an everyday carry knife that they could carry daily, uh, but they wanted something fixed blade, something stainless steel, something lightweight, but something that could get the job done. And so uh, it's a 440 carbon stainless steel knife, um, and you can customize it on their website, which... Uh, I love that part, right? So uh, um, I had already been a, a huge Gearcraft fan because they make excellent holsters. Um, uh, I only carry Gearcraft holsters, but when I realized that they made a knife, um, you know, that's uh, I, I I bought one and I, and I've loved it. Uh, I probably now own at least ten models of the EDCM one. Um, wow. It's uh, it's uh, it's a dagger style design. Uh, for the CIA, but uh, to the public, uh, they only sharpen the bottom edge. Um, but it's got excellent jimping, uh, so you've got really good control uh, top. Yeah, uh, that's that. that I love I, I love everything about it, but the jimping that, that I struggle with jimping, man. Right. Well, I I kind of like I love the way that it feels in the hand, and you can really get a good purchase on the knife with that jimping. I, I'm down with the blade shape. I'm loving the blade shape. Yep, yep. It's uh, it, it's out. It's an outstanding knife. It's it's my everyday carry. Um, but I have some other cool stuff. You know, um, I've got some stuff by uh, Alpha Knife and Osprey Knife and Tool. Those are a couple of local guys that I really admire, and uh, uh, I know those guys pretty well. Uh, they came to Andy's shop as well, didn't they? Yes, uh, so that's uh, Damon Lusky from Alpha Knife and um, uh, Chris Linton from uh, Osprey Knife and Tool. Man, those guys make 
probably my favorite knives in the world. And I'm so lucky they're right here. And I own a couple of each of their knives. Um, uh, in fact, yeah, I recently did a, a hog, a knife hog hunt. Um, and I used an alpha knife to kill my, uh, 260 pound hog. So it was pretty, that was a pretty cool experience. So when, how did you get, how did that, how did that go down? Hold on. <laughs> um, well, it's, um, well, if you, if you picture a scene from Lord of the flies, it's kind of like that. It's a bunch of fat guys running through the woods with a knife and some baying dogs and uh these dogs have gps collars on them and uh they run after the hogs then they kind of surround the hog and and um uh get it get it stationary um and then we send in a pit bull and the pit bull kind of pins the hog down uh so it'll grab its ear and kind of pin the head down so you're away from the tusks and then you run up to the hog and you uh kick out its rear legs, you pull up the left arm and uh, go in through the armpit, get that heart. And uh, I tell you what, it, yeah, it, around. it is a, it is an exhilarating experience to chase a hog. Uh, that's like 260 pounds with a three inch tusk um, around in the woods. Uh, I'll tell you what, when I, when I, this is pretty gross, but um, when, when I got, when I finally got up to my hog, you know, I had to run like 600 yards and Dan, you've seen me. I can't, I can't run 600 <laughs> yards. Um, and, uh, so when I got there, I was like panting. Right. And you were and, uh, off of that pig. <laughs> ooh, and, uh, but I had to kill this pig. Right. So I clip its rear legs and I pull up its arm and, um, and I go into the armpit, but I missed the heart. So I pulled it back out and I went back in. And when I did, I mean, it immediately sprayed <laughs> blood in my face. But because I was panting, that blood shot straight into my mouth, and I was like, "Oh!" For a second there, I thought I was going to pass out. Um, but you know, I'm surrounded by a bunch of like redneck dudes, and they're all like, "Come on, kill it! Come on, kill it!" And um, uh, so I just kind of like spit it out and stabbed. That was it. You know, it was uh, it was over. But it was such a fun experience because we, I mean, we had been chasing them throughout the night with night vision and GPS and um, it's re- it was really kind of a, a primitive thing using technology. Uh, it was super exciting, super fun. I've ne- never done anything like that, you know. So that was uh, that was quite an experience. Wow, that's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, Kyle, you got to come out and hang out with us for a while. <laughs> uh, I've never I've never done much hunting. Done quite a bit of fishing. That's more my style. Look, yeah. Here's the promise I make: go hog hunting with us. If the hog gets loose, I promise I will shoot one of you. You <laughs> what it is. You definitely, definitely don't want to be in the way of one of those hogs. I saw uh, we we were trying to catch a hog previous to the one that I got, and um, it was a pretty feisty one, and it got one of the dogs, man, and it it cut that dog from its sternum down to its belly, and. Um, it, the dog's guts were hanging out. This guide that we had was uh, an uh, absolute boss. He just walked over to the dog, picked him up, and walked him over to this four-wheeler, pulled out a stapler from the bag, stapled the stomach closed, and uh, the dog licked its wounds for a couple minutes, but then it was ready to go for the next dog. Holy cow. You know, that, yeah, it was It was uh, uh, the most gangster dog you've ever met in your life. Uh, 
ready to go. When, yeah. we, when we were down on the coast, my dad was a, a guide for hog hunts and they used, uh, they were mutts that were bred with pit bulls and pointers and they used those for their catch dogs. And they had one, they had one that got cut up. They filled it full of sulfur powder, sutured it back up. And a day later, it jumped an eight foot fence and ran them down because it wanted to go hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. They just, they have one purpose in life, you know, and that's the hunt. And they, they love, they, if they can do it all day, they love it. And, um, uh, I, I got, I gained a completely new appreciation for hunting dogs. Um, you know, I've never been around a hunting dog before, but after that experience, I was just like, oh my God, you know, wow. Um, they are truly resilient and they love their job. They, they are a working dog turned up to 11 and make absolutely make God awful pets. Because if you cannot work them eight, 10 hours a day, they are, they are miserable individuals. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. So how did you get started with, uh, with laser engraving? Um, so, um, I, uh, I've always been interested, uh, in customizing firearms. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gamer. I'm a PC gamer, hardcore PC gamer. And, uh, I've been, I've been gaming, uh, online with the same group of guys probably for about 20 years now. Uh, shout out to my boys over at Eagle Race Team. Uh, we are, we are a, uh, a sim racing team, but, uh, we, uh, do a bunch of shooters as well. You know, being a gun guy, I love playing shooters and in Call of Duty, you can totally customize your guns, right? And um, I'll never forget um, the first uh, Modern Warfare where they came out with the cryptic pattern that you could put on your gun. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to have, I got to figure out how to do that on my real gun. So it started as a hobby painting guns. Um, but I, I saw about two years ago, the, the newest thing was laser engraving unique patterns, designs, uh, uh, custom logos uh, on your firearms. And I was seeing more and more of this on Instagram. And I, I just felt this like internal urge, like I want to be a part of that because I, I knew in my local area, um, there's nobody that did anything like that. And um, I, I really wanted to get involved with it. So uh, I, I actually partnered up with GearCraft we purchased this laser and um, we didn't have the slightest clue on how to use it. <laughs> so um, we, we started off real simple. And uh, a lot of the first engravings we did were absolute garbage, um, didn't look right. And then I figured out that the artwork is the essential key um, uh, to producing a good engraving. So if the artwork is good and clean, then your engraving will, will reflect that. If you take a pixelated image or a low res image, um, let's say off of Google and import it into the laser software, it will engrave the pixelation. It'll give you a low res image. Yep, absolutely. It will give you a true translation of what the or original file is. And so I realized that I was going to have to, in order to be able to do cool stuff for customers, I wasn't going to be able to steal artwork off the internet from Google images. I was going to have to create stuff on my own. 
right about then, um, the owner of Gearcraft and I are a very good friends. We kind of had a disagreement in the way that we were doing business and we realized we were better friends than business partners. So, so we parted ways. That's a um, mature and difficult conversation to have. Man, you have no idea because I have, yeah, this is going to make me emotional. Uh, I mean, I love Billy, uh, Billy Fry. He, he uh, I love the guy. He's like, he's my brother. Um, and I look up to him so much. He is very much a Jesse James type, uh, a fabricator, yeah. an artist, and everything. He's he's a knife maker, a gun maker, a holster manufacturer. Uh, I mean, there isn't a thing this guy can't do. And and so, you know, when I first met him, I was at a shooting range, and he walked up to me and he said, "Hey, nice holster." And I said, "Oh, thanks. I just got it from a company called Gearcraft." And uh, he said, I know, I made that holster. And I was like, holy cow. And uh, ever since then, uh, we've kind of been friends. We'd go out, shoot together and uh, do dinner together. Man, we did Music Midtown with our wives together. We just became best friends. Every day going to Gearcraft with him was like uh, being around a guy like Jesse James, where he's doing absolutely incredible shit. And you get to witness it. And um, um, I was a super fan of his. And um, not only were we friends, but I, I mean, I, I totally looked up to him. And um, but when we had this parting of ways, it was real difficult. And um, it kind of put me into a bit of a depression. And I just Netflixed and chilled for a few months at home. And um, my, my finally, my wife was like, well, are you going to do anything? <laughs> you know, like, are you going to get out of bed? Are you going to get over this? Because we had this plan to to turn Gearcraft into, you know, like blow Phobos holsters out of the water and Black Point out of the water. But not only be a holster manufacturer, but be a gun customization shop where you could get absolutely anything and everything done to your gun. And we were acquiring all of the equipment to do that. You know, uh, sometimes um, things just don't work out and uh, you take it on the chin. And and you move on. It took me a little while to realize that I needed to do that. But um, my brother owns a small strip mall near my house. And uh, one of the units was empty. And he said, why don't you move in and open up your shop and offer laser engraving and, and um, you know, custom painting. And I already had this Instagram account called the King of Camo that I was using. And I thought maybe I could piggyback off that and just do that kind of work. So I, I picked up my stuff and, um, you know, I came over here and I, I, with the help of a couple friends, I was able to get a nice showroom built and a, and a workshop built, you know, set up my laser in here and I opened up shop and I had my grand opening on November 2nd, um, 2019. And uh, we had about, you know, 80 people show up, mostly friends and family. But uh, it was a, a, a good uh, a crew to support me and um, uh, really encouraged me to, you know, do this thing. That whole time uh, that I was at home not doing anything, I was doing nothing but playing with the laser and uh, getting better at it. And um, I'd have daily conferences with uh, the manufacturer of the laser, 
um, you know, like, hey, how do I do this? How do I do this? And as I learned more, I figured out more on my own. I had to teach myself a little bit of AutoCAD, uh, 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 Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator. And now, um, you know, there's pretty much nothing I can't do with the laser. Um, you know, we can we can do anything custom. So it's uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, you know, I went from knowing nothing about laser engraving, which and I still I, you know, like how the laser works and all that fun stuff. I mean, I'm not really exactly sure how that stuff works. It's magic. But I'll tell you what. Um, the, the software, um, it, it sure does help. And, um, but you, you know, it, it's, um, it's super unique. It's not something that you come across every day. And there are so many applications to the laser that, um, you know, your business opportunities are kind of endless, right? Though, though the passion is for knives and firearms, um, you know, I do tumbler cups and bottle openers and all kinds of random stuff with it. What what materials can you laser engrave? Well, we we got so what I we have, got one one question to go back on before we start getting into that. How did you come up with the the king of camo as your your name that you said <laughs> you uh, you started started doing? Yeah, so I I didn't come up with that name. Uh, my brother Preston did. My youngest brother. Um, he had seen a, a, a paint job that I did on, did on a gun and we had previously been talking about, you know, cause I was going to open up the shop and stuff. Uh, what, what am I going to, what am I going to call myself? You know? And, uh, he said, dude, you're the king of camo. Look at this. He's like, look at this paint job. Um, and it just kind of rung, it kind of rung with me. Uh, though I, I don't really consider myself the king of anything. Um, the King of Camo was kind of catchy. You know, this is, this is before we, we moved into the shop. I was just trying to create an Instagram name. And, um, so I, I said, yeah, the King of Camo, that's pretty cool. Cause I love camo. I love doing camo patterns. That's my favorite thing to paint on guns. And, um, anyway, so, so yeah, that's that my, my brother gave me the name and it, and it kind of stuck. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to roll with it. And, um, you know, I told a couple of friends about it and a couple, couple people, a couple of family members. And they were like, yeah, that sounds like you. I, I'm definitely a character, you know, so uh, the king of camo is kind of fitting. I didn't know if you uh, if you got it from the, the Tiger King or. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Definitely not. So you said you you engrave a bunch of cups and guns and everything. What other what other things do you engrave? Um, you know, it really depends. I do um, you know, magazines, gosh, uh, knives obviously. I bet the magazine thing would be helpful to not have someone take your take your stuff while you're at the range. <laughs> you know what? Not just that, but like if you're a Glock guy and you have a Glock 19 and a Glock 23, you know, really the only difference between the guns is the, the caliber. Um, it's hard to d distinguish the difference between the magazines. So you can get it engraved and denote what gun that mag goes to. Which um, is way better than the model paint I put on the base of my mags for a while. Yeah, because eventually that will wear and, and, and come off. And, and it looks like... 
well, yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, it depends. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, when you laser engrave it, it obviously looks super clean. And um, just it, you don't have to deep engrave. You can, you can do what's called color marking. Right. So there's a, a couple of different kinds of markings that the laser will do. And the type of laser that I have um, is uh, is a fiber optic MOPA laser. And um, uh, basically, that's just nerd talk. Um, my laser can only engrave metals and polymers, no organic materials. So your your more traditional type of laser known as a CO2 laser is what you would use to engrave organic materials like wood and, la and leather, uh, paper and glass, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. so, so the laser that I have has the ability to do two different types of markings. Um, one is called a color mark, and the other is a deep engrave. Obviously, uh, a deep engrave uh, etches away or vaporizes material away, whereas a color mark um, is a kind of a cheat where we defocus the laser back down the intensity and uh, adjust the uh, pulse width and uh, the frequency and a couple of the other settings to create colors by heat treating the surface of that metal. Mm -hmm. um, so on stainless steel, you can produce up to nine colors, including red, blue, black, brown, silver, yellow, orange, green. That's great. Um, and, and really, it's the most minuscule of changes in the settings that denotes whether you get a black or a green, right? Like the speed of the laser, um, if you go from uh, 16 milliseconds to 14 milliseconds, it literally changes the color from black to blue. And is, it the, is that the heat? Yeah, it's just the intensity of the laser. So it's the percentage of power that you're putting to it. We're, when we're color marking, we're really backing down the power and we're defocusing the laser. So the laser um, has a, a couple of external lasers that help you kind of pinpoint where the laser is going to engrave. And so there's two points that come together and you want to get them to be as close together as possible when you're doing a deep engraving. Um, kind of like, you know, remember when we used to burn ants when we were kids with the magnifying glass? You find that just perfect focal point. I don't know if you guys ever tortured ants. Uh, I guess I might be a serial killer. I don't know. I um, can't say I have. But, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to do that when we were kids. Everybody on this podcast is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, so it's kind of, it kind of works in, the, in a similar fashion where, you know, you've got a light beam coming from the laser and, and you've got a lens that you use to kind of focus um, uh, to, to intensify the focal point of the laser and make it as powerful as possible. And so we use that for deep engraving. And uh, the laser has a couple of different type of lenses, depending on whether you're doing color marking um, or deep engraving. You know, uh, uh, certain lenses have an advantage uh, to color marking, uh, and then others have an advantage to deep engraving. And uh, the cool thing about the laser is that uh, we can go, you know, as deep as you want. Um, it just takes time. So, so to do something super intricate in 3D, um, you know, might take several hours of, you know, the laser running. 
Um, and sometimes, you know, you're doing a super unique project. You'll create the artwork, set it up. You know, you can tell the laser to do uh, 2,000 passes, um, and it gives you a time frame that it will take to do that. And so you go on and do other things, you know, uh, while it's engraving, but always checking on it and making sure that it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. But for the most part, you know, um, the the hardest part is the artwork. The laser kind of um, does its own thing. Uh, it's uh, really amazing uh, when you see it kind of produce something that you have created on the computer, you've never seen it on anything before, and then you engrave it and, it and it comes out and turns out awesome, or you wow somebody and you just blow their mind. Um, I had a gentleman come in today. Uh, we engraved his lower with this skull logo that he wanted on there. And when I showed it to him, he absolutely freaked out. And uh, I love that about the job. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. To go from concept to actuality. Yeah, absolutely. And not, and not just that, but the reaction. The reaction that you get when you present it to someone and they're just like, holy, mm-hmm. that looks amazing. You know, um, it's, it's a really good feeling. I've never got it. I, I'm sure you guys feel the same way when you make a badass knife and, uh, and give it to a customer. I, I have such an appreciation for uh what you guys do holy cow talk about artistry um i took uh the the knife making the beginner's knife making class over at old town cutlery a couple of weeks ago and i made a kitchen knife and it and it turned out great but i had um help you know what i mean well sometimes you gotta help your apprentice clean it up a little bit Oh, sure. Sure. Um, but man, I tell you what, that's that you, what you guys do is just absolutely amazing. It blows me away. Uh, my appreciation for, I, I, I no longer buy Benchmaids and, um, Gerber's. I love buying custom handmade knives. Yeah. We've always said that, uh, if someone's going to be a collector or they're really into knives, they should make one. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't have to be made more than one, but you just got to make one just to get a feel for what goes into it. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, I got a, I got a whole new appreciation for it. You know, I spent eight hours making a handle, right? Like we used to, we used a knife blank. We spent eight hours basically shaping a handle and, uh, guys who are putting out, you know, four or five knives in a day. I'm just like, how do you do that? A lot of math. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's plenty of that around here. Or a lot of caffeine. <laughs> um, yeah. What kind of limitations do you have on size, both large and small, that you can work with? Yeah, so um, really the the largest I can engrave something is about six inches by six inches um, before it starts to distort. And what I mean by that is the, um, I can go up to eight and a half inches, but if I was, let's say I was engraving a square, it would start to look more like a circle on the sides where it would start to bulge. Um, so really six inches by six inches is where I try to stay. Um, Otherwise, um, you know, we, we have to do things in pieces otherwise, you know. And the actual part that you put in there is it just whatever can fit inside the, the laser. How big is your bed? Yeah, so so um, I have a platform 
Um, my laser system is not enclosed, which allows me to put a full firearm. You know, if a gentleman brings me his full AR and wants something engraved on the lower, he doesn't have to worry about taking it completely apart. He can just bring it here. My table allows me to set it right underneath the laser and adjust it however I need to. You know, um, there's no limitation uh, to the size if we do it in parts. Yeah. All right. Uh, what kind of level of detail can you get? So and this is a little bit of a loaded question because I've had you do some one eighth inch logos for me that were clearly like you could look at it and clearly see what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the beauty of this laser and, and this type of technology is that you can absolutely recreate any image at any size and see all the detail. I don't care how small you go, get a microscope out and let's go look at it. And you will see all the detail that you would if we expanded the image. Um, so the, the laser will die. It's, it's so precise. You know, the, the, this, this laser that I have was originally designed for, for medical procedures. So it's extremely precise. Um, Anything that you input into the laser software, it will engrave. So if there are imperfections in what you are inputting, they will translate to the engraving. What do you need as a base image to work from? Like, I mean, um... so like your typical um, image files, JPEGs, PNGs, bitmaps, um, those all work fine. Um, and the higher the resolution, the image that you provide me, the, the better the engraving is going to look. And I have the ability to kind of um, uh, clean up the artwork a little bit. But if it's of such a low resolution where it's pixelated, um, you know, that's not something I can correct. We, what we then do is kind of recreate that artwork from scratch. And the, the more high res, the, the sharper the imagery they give you, the less time you have to charge them to clean up the picture and get it ready. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, um, artwork time is, um, you know, time spent creating artwork is, is longer than time spent engraving. So that's, that's critical. Right. And the cleaner the file you give me, the less time I have to spend um, making, making the artwork perfect for the laser. Does it need to be black and white? It does not need to be, but that's how the laser sees it. And so if your logo or um, image is in color, when you send it to me, I, I do a few things to it to get it in black and white and get it looking the best that it can for an engraving. What about sh uh, like shading? Does it need to be you know, like ones and zeros, black or white? Um, or can you work uh, with can you pixelate shading or... It, it it basically only reads black and white. So shading, um, you can achieve it using a few tricks, but it, it's uh, it's pretty difficult to make it look good. Yeah, kind of like, uh, and I'm going to show my age here, but kind of like a comic book where it needed to be, like to do shading, it's really just little dots, and it's closer the dots are, the more the shading is. Right, right. And right. I assume that's pretty time intensive to get that. Yeah. I mean, if you have to create that, 
yeah, it, it's pretty time intensive, but, um, you know, that's the amazing thing about the lasers that it is so quick. Once you get that artwork done, man, you can, you can really pump out, um, multiple copies of that artwork quickly, though. That was never the intent when I bought the laser to do mass production kind of stuff. It has that ability. Um, uh, but I, I personally, I prefer to do the super custom stuff. That's where I, that's where I have a lot of fun. The, the first one is always the most expensive. Yeah, definitely. So one of the one of the questions we had about camo is why would someone want to put camo on their gun? It seems fairly common sense, but yeah, well, it'd be harder for you to find. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Um, well, you know, there's a. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing in in, uh, in America right now with uh, how many people are getting into guns. I think that's really cool. Um, uh, I've I've uh, got a super liberal cousin who recently went shooting with me and absolutely loved it. And um, um, that was really cool to kind of share that experience with him. But um, camo on guns, I think for the most part, it's not a practicality thing. It, it's an it's an artist thing. It's a, it's a cool factor thing. Like yeah, why do you need a custom knife? You don't. You get it because it's right. awesome. Right. Um, so, so uh, I, there, there, I know a couple of guys who camo their guns for uh, a good reason. Uh, but, um, you know, most, most people like it's a, it's a fashion thing, right? You know, like I, I can't tell you how many, uh, wives guns have been brought to me for, um, a, a Tiffany blue paint job. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I mean, I don't, if I had it, I, I don't think I could count that high. So, so, you know, it, it, it's, I enjoy doing it. Um, I, I love it. So I don't really judge anyone about it. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I get these really, really weird requests to put really, really weird stuff on people's guns and knives. And uh, sometimes I hesitate, but for the most part, you know, I always do it, you know, because it means something to someone. It may not mean something to me, but it means something to someone. And so, you know, let me be the guy to facilitate uh, facilitate that. But, yeah, I, I like, uh, recently had a, a really strange pistol that I painted. Um, uh, the, the gentleman wanted it, wanted the pistol sl- slide to look like a brick and he wanted to say brick city pimps on the side. Hmm. And, and, um, you know, I really struggled with that because, you know, I, I, I don't want people to see my work and, and, and see that I'm doing really weird stuff like brick city pimps. You know, I, I definitely don't support pimping. <laughs> right. But this guy wanted it done on his gun. And, um, you know, he's mad the bill. I did it for him, you know, Brick City Pimps. Uh, it was a little weird, a little weird, but he loved it. And so, hey, if he's happy, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, what What are some advantages to the different camo patterns? Uh, you said, mentioned some Cryptek, and then there's like a bunch of the woodland stuff. And Yep, yep. Yeah, so, there, you know, there's um, there's a ton of different camo patterns out there. Obviously, they're all competing with each other. Um, for military contracts and, and, um, uh, hunting gear and, and things of that nature. Um, 
you know, and um, so Cryptek is a brand. Um, um, Multicam is a brand. And uh, right now the U.S. military uses Multicam um, um, for their for their uniforms, um, but they're considering switching to Cryptek. Um, there's a, a bunch of other patterns out there like Hexcam, um, uh, which is uh, uh, really loved by hunters. Really, it just kind of depends on the camo pattern. But if if you if you look at what they say about the camo patterns, that they claim that you know obviously it helps to conceal the hunter um, or the soldier so that they're not spotted and and they can go about their business as, as easily as they can. I always love camo patterns because I just thought they were cool looking. Um, and, and when you put it on a gun, you know, if you look at black guns all day long, right, they all kind of start blending together. Look, we all know that your accessories need to match. Yes, of course. If you're crypt yeah. up and down, your accessories need to be crypt I mean, that's just yeah, the etiquette. Yep, yep. And it's, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, there's a company called Angelus. Uh, they they make this um, um, special paint for shoes. And there are people doing these custom Air Jordans that you could not imagine. They're like pieces of artwork. Um, absolutely incredible paintwork. Uh, uh, really, really unique stuff. And, but it's becoming it's becoming more and more of a personalization thing, where people love like a certain camo pattern and they want it on their gun, not because it's a practical thing, but just because it looks cool. And when they go to the range, they show it to their buddies, and and their buddies get jealous, and then they want one. Because, again, like custom knives, it's how you prove to your buddy that you're cooler than he is. Yeah, pretty much, you know. It's really a, 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 a kind of a dick-measuring contest. <laughs> Speaking of that, so what? what's your favorite gun to work on? Favorite gun to work on? Hmm. Um, the next one, the next one. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I don't really necessarily, I, I hate working on revolvers. Uh, the disassembly and reassembly of revolvers, um, is uh, for gunsmiths, not, not for Nate. <laughs> um, you just, you just but, don't like working on us old man guns. No, I love working on ARs, um, AKs. Um, and pistol, uh, like striker fired pistols, a lot of the mo- more modern striker fired pistols. That's that's kind of my deal. I, I, I'm I'm uh, shotguns as well. You know, I'm more along. If you look at my gun collection, it's more along the tactical line than anything. Um, I do have some hunting uh, rifles and, and and shotguns, but most of my stuff is uh, you know kind of military style, tactical style stuff. And that's what I love working on as tactical stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, I kind of have in this area, the, the lightning round. So I got a whole bunch of questions for, uh, for you that you, uh, don't, you don't have to think too terribly, uh, uh, hard about them. Just say yes or no, or pick which one. Uh, they're both, most of them are all either or or yes, no questions. So I don't know, Dan, do you want to, Want to weigh in on on your thoughts on handguns, shotguns, and rifles? Yes, to all of them. All right. 
So uh, these first ones are all handguns. So uh, revolver or semi-automatic? Semi-auto. Hey, you know, I, I'm left-handed. I'm old school. I love the reliability of a of a, a revolver. That being said, I, I carry a semi-auto SIG. All right. Nice. I'm also semi-automatic. I've got a Springfield XDM that I love in stainless steel. So Awesome. Uh, awesome. So next question, single stack or double stack? Double stack. Single stack. I got short, stubby fingers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, yeah. next one. They're wide. They're really wide. I just want to point that out. Uh, I, I'm all about the round count, baby. All right. So next, next, next question, nine millimeter, 40 Smith and Wesson, 45 ACP or 10 millimeter. Nine mil. Freedom round 45, baby. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with Dan <laughs> too. 45 ACP for me. So uh, why shoot them twice when you only have to shoot them once. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's true. Well, whether with a well-placed shot, you only have to shoot them once. Or a nine millimeter or forty-five. <laughs> yeah. All right, striker fire or hammer fire? Striker fire. Uh, striker fire. Yeah, me too. Uh, favorite handgun finish? Duracoat. They come in finishes. Yeah, I like stainless steel. Uh, all right, favorite handgun sight? Like the the sight picture. Oh. I got to say that new SIG 365 SAS is cool as hell. I'm not familiar. What, what's that one look like? That's the fiber optic green. Oh, man. Yeah, it's got a really cool fiber optic sight that sits inside the slide. So there's no sights on the top of the slide. They're actually, you look through the back of the slide. Huh. And it doesn't really unique. Um, when it's, it's fiber optic and it won't light up until it's aligned with your eye. Yeah, it's that's so dope, too. I love that. You just bring it down, and when it illuminates green, you know it's aligned with your eye. It's a it's for quick target acquisition. Huh? It's absolutely phenomenal. Check. Yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't uh, already. Yeah, I've, I've been a big fan of the the three dots. Uh, line them up in the center. So uh, yeah, I'm, it's definitely unique. It's it's different. Um, it's something that you'd have to get a little. It'd take a little getting used to and practice with within 25 yards. I think it's the fa- it's the, it's probably one of the fastest um, um, acquisition sites on a pistol right now. It's kind of like the concept of using just your front sight post. It's for, for quick, close range, very quick target ac- acquisition, quick shooting. It lacks some of the precision of a front and rear sight three dot alignment. But it's designed for for people that know their stuff when fractions of a second count. Yeah, I always t- I always tell people like uh, don't don't buy that gun if you plan on shooting it outside of you know fifteen to twenty yards. You know it w- within that fifteen to twenty yards, it's absolutely devastating. But outside of that, you're you're really kind of starting to lose a little bit of your sight picture. Yeah. All right, tritium, yes or no? Oh yeah, yeah. Why not? All right, red dot sights, love them. Uh, on a long gun, ah, Dan, Dan's jumping down to rifles. This is about handguns. Oh, handguns. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of old school. I, I like my iron sights. You know, I, I, I have to, I, I have to agree, but when I, when I, I bought a, a, a SIG, um, 320 RX came with the Romeo one after shooting that thing. I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. I need to get more optics on my guns. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Do scopes belong on a handgun? Maybe a revolver. Yeah, or like a big ass magnum revolver. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be some kind of long barrel revolver. All righty. For me, I don't think scopes do. Should be on a handgun. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, best holster position. Hmm. Appendix. Um, for concealed carry, I like just behind my hip because I've just got so much muscle memory. Uh, but when I'm out in the woods, I actually carry cross draw. Okay. Uh, so I can get to it uh, with my primary hand or my offhand if I need to. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I'm out in the woods, I'm definitely carrying outside the waistband, full-size pistol on my right-hand side. But uh, if I'm concealed carrying, I usually have a SIG 365 um, at appendix. That's my kind of my go-to. Nice. And then uh, on a handgun, uh, lasers, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Yeah, that's a hard no for me. All righty. Yeah. Congratulations, everybody passed the handgun one. All right, now on to okay, now cool. on to shotguns. All right. 12, 16, 20 or 28 gauge. 12. 12, uh 12, 20 is acceptable depending on the use, but anything other than that, you're just overpaying for shells. All right. I I prefer a 12 gauge. Buckshot or slugs? Um I'm a slug guy. I love slugs. What am I shooting? You just got to pick one. What's your if you, I mean, if you had to shoot if you had to only shoot one, what would it be? Am I shooting home invaders in body armor or a whitetail at 30 yards? Dan, you're thinking way too much about this. It's a, this is a, this is a not, I didn't give these to you beforehand because you'd ask all these questions. Fine. Buckshot. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably go with buckshot too. Otherwise you just, you just have a big ass rifle. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that. Uh, so, uh, favorite shotgun finish. Yeah, I'm a dirt coat guy, but you know, I do dirt coat, Cerakote, any any one of those. Okay. They're awesome. I'm a unwashed savage. I still like either flat black or the the old school bluing. Yeah, I'm I'm a bluing guy. Sure. I like the I've always liked yeah, that old school sure. bluing look. All right. Uh so for a double barrel shotgun, over under or side by side? I prefer side by side. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't, does it? <laughs> All right. And then uh, uh, trap, skeet, or sporting clays. Do either of you guys do those? Nope. All right. uh, Never tried it. I prefer sporting clays because of the variety. Okay. And Jack, my oldest, shot competitive sporting clays. Okay. Trap and skeet have got their place. They just they are a little monotonous for me. All right. And then our last shotgun question, pump action or break action? Ooh, pump action. Pump action. Pump is king, baby. Nice. What was, the, what was that, Dan? Pump action. Pump action. All right. I, I'd probably go with the pump, too. Pretty cool. Pretty cool sound. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the international uh, that's the international sound for get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now all these, these last questions are for rifles. Uh, bolt action, semi-automatic, or full auto for rifles? Ah, semi-auto. Yeah. Um, semi-auto, uh, mostly because I'm a left-handed shooter and carrying a bolt action right-handed. The number of times I've bumped the bolt so that when I went to fire it, it wouldn't fire it was heartbreaking. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I, 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 I'm torn. I kind of like uh, bolt action semiotic. I, I haven't ever fired a fully automatic gun, so that's on my bucket list to do. Something. I mean, they're fun. They're fun, but not really practical in, um, you know, unless you're like 
clear and bush and expensive. Yeah. Very, very expensive. All right. Next question. Magazine fed or tube fed? Yeah. Mag fed. You know, I, I'm back and forth on that one. I, I, I'm going to have to go with a schmaby. Uh, <laughs> the tube fed gives it a nice clean line. So for like my brush gun, I shoot a 44 Ruger carbine. And the fact that it's got very smooth lines, there's nothing for it to hang up on. I love, but for those situations where I want to quickly unload or shoot more than four rounds, you really got to go with a detachable box mag. Yeah. I'm a magazine person. Uh, all right. AR-15 or AK-47? Ooh, that's tough. Um, that's so tough. Am I trying to... Uh, Dan, I trying to, Dan, which one are you going to shoot? <laughs> I see, am I a liberating force? or I, what, Whatever you want. Um, <laughs> I... I, for my purposes, like an AR platform because I am not an ignorant third grade education partisan. Might have to bleep all that out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The AR was beautiful in its absolute simplicity that somebody with little education could just pick it up and work it. And I love the round. Uh, but the AR, you can you can get far more precision out of it, okay. uh, and you can get really cool stuff for it. Yeah, I, I I'd have to say AR fifteen. Although I I mean it's a real close it's a real close battle because I love the AK platform. It's just um, ah man, yeah. I, I think the ability to do so much more customization with the AR is kind of where it's at. Um, uh, but, um, man, the AK platform is still pretty cool. If I want half the price and unquestionable uh, reliability, then the AK. If I want to turn it into a super precision weapon, then it's the AR. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I'm AR-15. In the line of the AR-15, piston-driven or direct impingement? Yeah, it don't matter to me, really. Uh I know mathematically the piston driven is supposed to be more reliable. Um, but, you know, I shot the old A2 for like, more than three years and it always works for me. Yep. Yeah. I, I think uh, Keep It How Stoner designed it, direct impingement. All right. Uh, best deer caliber. Dan, you shouldn't have any questions on that one. What am I? Uh, what am I hunting? What am I shooting? What what caliber are you using if you're going to shoot deer? Really, what what's my environment like? I mean, <laughs> if, if I'm looking at a short range kind of a brush situation, then I love my 44 Magnum. Uh, for the mid range stuff, especially if I got to really hump the rifle, a 243 is nice. If, if if I'm pushing out larger, longer range, or I'm shooting northern heavier deer, then 308 is obviously the rep. Yeah, the round. Yeah, I was going to say three hundred eight uh, for sure. That's a guaranteed, guaranteed kill. Yeah. Now, if I can only have one, it would be the three hundred eight because it is the jack of all trades. Yeah. All right. So there's your answer. All right. Uh, best elk caliber. Elk. What's an elk? <laughs> it's, a, it's a much bigger deer. Oh well, then a much bigger caliber. That's obvious. <laughs> 
Was it like a 300 win mag? <laughs> Something. Yeah. Or, or uh six, five Creedmoor maybe. Ooh, you think that's got the ump for, for, oh. I, I think so. I think so. I seen a, I, I, there's a dude on um, Instagram that I follow and he does a crazy amount of elk hunting and uh, he uses a, um, a six, five Creedmoor. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'd have to look. I'd have to look on the ballistics on that one. I don't know the the six five Creedmoor very well. All right, um, all right. Best small game caliber. So your rabbits, squirrels, uh, things like that. Twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two. No question. All right. Uh, silencers. Yes or no? Absolutely. Uh, suppressor. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see those become more more available and less regulation yeah, on. It is a lot of the a lot of the Nordic countries that that allow firearms require suppressors to shoot Hmm. because number one it it cuts down the noise so you're not bothering people and it's safer on the ears you know everybody thinks that you because you have a suppressor you're going to go become some kind of assassin or something yeah secret agent you know but it's that's the most ridiculous argument ever because maybe like three piece three people in history have done that you know well and it's not a silencer it's a quieter they make it silent it just makes it less ear splittingly loud a guy i knew moved down to uh, new zealand and he was taking the mandatory firearms course and he noticed that one of the, the rifles that the instructor had out for an example was threaded. And he said, you know, y'all have suppressors down here? And the, and the instructor looked at him and said, of course. How else do you shoot the rabbits without scaring the sheep? <laughs> nice. All right. Controversial one. Key mod, M-lock, or Picatinny? Ooh. I'm a Picatinny rail kind of guy. You know... I'm so old school that you know, I'm a weaver guy, but it, it, if I have to use some of that newfangled stuff, it, it'd have to be Picatinny. Oh, I like Mimlock. Picatinny hurts my hands too much. Got the sissy hands. Uh, <laughs> well, if you put All right. stuff to cover up the rails, then you would yeah, you get the hand cards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you could just have one that's you don't need it to begin with, there you go. That's also true. Yeah. I mean, on on a minimalist rifle like M Lock and Key Mod is awesome, right? You you're reducing a bunch of weight by not having that pick rail all the way around. Yep, I love quad pick rails too. Yep, those do look those do uh, visually look better. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For the shooting, I do. I've got to admit that other than the top rail to to hold a set of optics on a long gun, I strip everything else off. Gotcha. All right. Best rifle accessory, flashlights, uh, grenade launcher. What do you got? Uh, I, I'd say optic for sure. That's the first thing I put on every rifle is an optic. Dan? So grenade launcher is an option? Is, is, <laughs> is that an accessory? Because with I the so. grenade launcher, I don't think I need optics. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, good optics is the the first thing that goes on a precision rifle for me. Um, I could do a flashlight on a pistol or maybe a shotgun. I don't really, again, I'm, uh, I'm not kicking doors and clearing houses anymore. So well, I never really did. Point is, I don't really have a, a need for a flashlight and that kind of stuff on a rifle for the type of shooting I do. All right. I'm going with grenade launcher. 
All right. Sure <laughs> uh, all right. And then along with the optics, uh, you got to only pick one optic, red dot, ACOG, or a scope. I'm a red dot guy. I love red dots. One X guy. If I can only have one, then it's a, a scope. Uh, I learned to shoot scopes, both eyes open. So just crank the magnification down. Gotcha. I've always liked the ACOG. I've never actually had one, but I've shot one a couple times and that's my favorite. Yeah. All right. Cool. Congratulations, everybody. Uh, all right. You've pe- we have <laughs> answered all the questions. We have now set the standard for the lightning round. Dan, what the heck, man? <laughs> man, that is loud. <laughs> all righty. So uh, hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. Uh, I had fun putting the list together. Reached out to a few other people. Uh, Harleywood uh, on Instagram. Harleywood, I think it's 23. And uh, one of my buddies, Matt Krasett. Uh, thank you guys for helping make sure or get all those questions on there. What do you think the the next uh, big industry thing is going to be uh, kind of in the, the handgun uh, customizing world? Yeah, you know, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of guys do these 80 percent builds on like polymer 80s, AR-15s, even 1911s. And uh, and, and I've even been seeing these like uh uh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Ghost Gunner Three? No. The Ghost Gunner Three is a CNC machine you can purchase that you can put an eighty percent lower into and tell it what you know caliber and model, and, and it'll do all the milling for you in just a couple of minutes. Absolutely amazing. So, like, we're seeing a lot of like really cool three D printed stuff coming out. Um, uh, but I, I think, uh, uh, some of these neat CNC machines, man, that, uh, it's just something that I learned about, um, a couple days ago that the new ghost gunner three machine, uh, it's supposed to be five times faster than the previous model they had. And the previous model they had only took about 25 minutes to mill out an AR 15 lower. And they're saying it's five times faster now. So in five minutes, uh, you can get a whole lower milled out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty that's neat. You can be a complete amateur and and build your own gun from scratch. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I th- I kind of think that's where things are going, where people uh, people are making their their own stuff, kind of from scratch and totally custom. You know, if you go to uh, like Instagram and just uh, hashtag polymer eighty and see all the unique guns that people are building it's really amazing yeah that's really cool is there any uh any other things that uh you wanted to mention or talk about or uh plug um no not really uh um uh, maybe just a shout out to some of my local people um uh, uh old town cutlery uh man sure do appreciate them man they, they've been with me uh since i started uh, i do all their laser engravings um, I do all the engravings for uh, John at uh, Dragonfly Blade Works, and um, yeah, uh, all my other local boys, uh, Damon Lusky from Alpha Knife, and and uh, Chris Linton uh, from Osprey Knife and Tool, and uh, shout out to those guys and make some badass stuff. I'm a big supporter of theirs, um, and uh, big shout out to Gearcraft as well. You know, best holster on the market. 
if you go to gearcraft.com, uh, gearcraftholsters.com, and completely customize uh, it, your holster for whatever your setup is. So they're, they're pretty badass holster holsters uh, uh, over there. Uh, but that, yeah, that's uh, the, those are really my only people. Uh, and then other than myself, the King of Camo, uh, check me out on my website, thekingofcamo.com. Or uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, my username is king.of.camo. Um, and I'm also on Facebook uh, as the King of Camo. So, uh, yeah, those are all the places you can reach me. And uh, if you want some custom work done or, or uh, whatever, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm ready to go. What's your preferred method of contact if they want to do something custom? You want to email um, through the kingofcamo.com or... Yeah, absolutely. Either that or send me a DM on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. So uh, if you send me a direct message on Instagram, I'll probably get that pretty quickly. Okay, cool. You got anything, any other questions, Dan? Yeah, I, I think that really covers it. All right. Awesome. Uh, you can keep in touch with the Knife Perspective podcast at knifeperspective.com. And you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Knife Perspective. And you can find the podcast currently on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In Radio, and iHeartRadio. And I just uh, tried it the other day. I've got a Amazon uh, Tap uh, Alexa device where you just push the button and uh, it doesn't listen all the time just when you push the button. Uh, and I told it to play the Knife Perspective podcast and it uh, went directly to it. So uh, listen on your Alexa device if you uh, you want to do that too. You can keep in touch with Dan of Dogwood Custom Knives, Blade Show Booth five thirty seven. Make sure you uh, if you're at Blade Show in Atlanta this year, uh, if it still is going on, uh, this show will hopefully be up before a Blade Show. Yeah, if um, it's but, going on, I'll be there. I might be by myself. Well, I'm going to be by myself, but I'll be there. Yeah, I'm going to probably be by myself too. Uh, my dad's going to probably sit this one out. So uh, you can keep in touch with Dan at dogwoodcustomknives.com. He's Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. And I uh, keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly, Cage Daily Knives. I'll be at Blade Show Table 3BB. And uh, check us out there. It's right next to the bathrooms up front. So if you go to the bathrooms, look look for me. I should be pretty close there. CageDailyKnives.com is the, the website and Cage Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you, guys. Uh, it was great getting to talk with you, Nate. It was uh, really interesting hearing how you got into this whole industry and your family and stuff like that. It's a really cool story. Yeah, man. Uh, a, a big, big thank you to you guys. I uh, really appreciate you having me on. I, uh, I appreciate the exposure and, um, you know, just trying to, trying to get my name out there, let people know, uh, what I do. And you guys certainly facilitated that. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot. Say good night, man. Say good night, Dan. <laughs> good night, Dan. Well, let's take it to the edge. Cause that's what's expected in this discussion. This is the night prospective. Okay.